our children that are ready, would like to go to children's church. I think we're meeting over on this side. Is that right? All right, right there, right? It's all right, come on this side. So they'll be over here to meet you in the Welcome Center. All of our youngs would like to go to children's church today. Ray and Miss Nicole will meet you there, okay? First Peter chapter 3 for everybody else. I'll invite you to open your copy of God's Word. First Peter chapter 3. And if you would find verse 1, I'll speak to you today from the words of the Apostle Peter. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my chains are gone. Anybody with me today? I really am. I know what it's like to carry the, the chains of doubt and worry and all that kind of stuff. I'm just grateful to God that he took them away. Not anything I did, but what he did in my place. Amen. We learned in Sunday school today, couldn't earn it, couldn't purchase it, don't have what it takes, but Jesus does. Amen. So I'm grateful you're here today. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, if you found your place in physically able, won't you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7 today. And notice what the Word of God says. He says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the Word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. In those verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Give you a little side note here, free, won't cost you. You're going to need it, all right? With understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, this word that I read today, God, your word, the only book you ever wrote, Father, that it would pierce our hearts and cause us to be more like your son, Jesus. May the word today both inspire, equip, and encourage men and women of God to live faithful in the world that you've placed us in. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. May be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of relationship responsibilities. I figured, you know, while I had Dustin here, I'd go ahead and bust off on this text today. But uh, anyhow, just, uh, no, he really has nothing to do with much that I do, especially my preaching. But anyhow, no, I'm kidding. I, uh, we just have fun. We do have a lot of fun in our house, and I hope you do too. Home ought to be a fun place. It ought to be, it's my favorite place. I look forward to going home, don't you? I really do. So, uh, But anyhow, I wanted to share with you this today. God really spoke to me about this months ago leading up. As I told you, we were taking a short break in our journey through Psalm 119 as we talked about a few important things and then got back together 
last week in one service and Sunday school and I shared with you about sharing your faith and all those important things that you need to be doing and hopefully gave you some tools and equipment and encouragement to do so. Today on Mother's Day, we're going to speak to you about some relationship responsibilities. I believe that according to the Word of God that God instituted marriage. He said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they no longer will be two, but will become one flesh. Right? I really believe that. That's what the Word of God teaches us about the marital relationship. It's come under attack much in our world today, and in the past 5, 10, 15 years, especially in the past 5 years, uh, there about maybe 10, we've saw uh, the institution of marriage come under attack many ways. I believe the word of God is very clear and there is always not just been the challenges against the institution and the fact that God ordained marriage, but there's also been a lot of debate about responsibilities, uh, not just for the wife, not just for the husband. Every person enters a relationship with a certain level of expectation, things you look forward to. When I talk to young couples preparing to get married and Lord knows I'm not a very good counselor. I'm not a very good preacher. I'm not very good at anything much, but I try real hard at everything I do. And um, I, I really try to help young people understand responsibilities. And even though they do have a level of expectation, those expectations are not always going to be met, but we can be faithful to the Word of God. This passage I just read a moment ago is very plain of God's plan for the marital relationship. It is in this message today we're going to examine some responsibilities and how they come together uh, for the fruitfulness of that relationship. Notice with me, if you will, in the opening verses, if you notice there are six verses speaking to the wife, there's one speaking to the husband, and then that one, God really hits us in the teeth, don't he, guys? He really does. So we're going to walk through this together. Let's talk together about the wife. Let's talk about her relationship with her husband. And when we do that, we talk about her responsibilities to her husband. Verses 1 and 2 talk to us about the duty of a Christian wife to live in subjection, be submissive to her husband. Now, we have a lot of trouble with that word. I spoke on this subject one time years ago when I was pastoring in Rome, Georgia, and I was speaking on this subject from Ephesians chapter 5 and literally had a lady get up. Angie, God, she's my witness here. She knows I'm telling the truth. A lady literally got up. I mean, she folded her Bible, snapped her pocketbook, and stormed right out the side door. Keith, you won't believe that really happened. Brother Larry, you've never had that happen. Stormed right out the side door. And folks, I want you to know Y'all know my heart. I've not come to throw rocks at you. I've come to throw you rope. I've come to help you, and I was trying to help this lady. And evidently, I was trying to help the whole church. She came back later, and she says, I don't know if you left knew it or not, but I left church mad at you today. I said, I could barely tell, you know. <laughs> but later, you know, she realized, and thankfully that was a victory for us a lot of ways, a sweet lady. She's still our friend today, but she just got sideways because See, the husband is very difficult. We're going to talk about that in a minute and, and see what the Bible has to say about that. Uh, it's important we understand what that means about living in subjection. A woman does submit to her husband, his authority, his control, and leadership. And some people say that's just kind of old-fashioned ways of doing stuff. Uh, so, you know, like some even get upset when that truth is uh, proclaimed, but God's Word is saying this. 
God's word is not saying that a woman is inferior to her husband, okay? He is not saying that a woman is to be a slave to her husband. Adrian Rogers said it best when he said this. He said, a man is infinitely superior to a woman at being a man. And a woman is infinitely superior to a man at being a woman. That's pretty good, amen? Uh, we understand our roles. We understand what we're to do. And we are certainly not inferior to either one, not one bit. Subjection or submissiveness is an order. It's order and cooperation in a relationship. And godly subjection will bring harmony to any relationship. When that's missing is when disharmony arises. Now here's a point of controversy that we have sometimes and the word of God speaking truth does bring those things out. I always get this question. Uh, Pastor, I'm a Christian and I'm a mother and my husband, I love him, but he's not a Christian. Should I still live in subjection to my husband? Well, you've made a covenant before God and because you made a covenant before God that still requires that we live in subjection you may say well I don't know that I can do that and I'm going to help you there are some husbands who refuse to obey the word of God y'all know that there are some refuse to obey the word of God they rebel against the word of God and they make life difficult for a Christian wife who loves God serves God and walks with God I want you to know over the years I've been infinitely blessed to see the testimony of Christian women who loved God with all their heart. They, they loved their unbelieving husband. They may have, because she may have become a believer afterwards. I don't know what their story was before, but regardless, it doesn't matter. She's following Jesus, and she's raising her children to follow Jesus, and she's doing so without the support of a godly man in her life and I want to tell you that is very difficult and I have tremendous respect for ladies who make a definite decision to walk with God and lead their children to do so I really really do as much as she <clears throat> does love and trust her husband she should never disobey God by walking away from God, walking away from the church just to please him over God, she must prove herself to be faithful to God. I really, really believe that. That's why it's important, sir, for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why it's important for you to provide leadership and for you to provide love for your family so that your wife will not just have a partner in raising those children, she will have a leader in raising those children. And in doing so, you lead the family to the house of God. You lead the family to walk with God. And I promise you, I've not met a woman on the sun that loves Jesus that wouldn't do anything for her husband to love Jesus like that. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it's very important. Here's what the Bible says. That by living a godly and exemplary life before God and before that unbelieving husband, that without a word, that Christian wife can win her unbelieving husband to faith in Christ. I've seen this happen before, haven't you? But I'll tell you something else I've also seen. I've also seen the professing wife just raise all kind of cane on that unbelieving husband. Tell him how bad he is, how sorry he is, and all this kind of stuff, and push him further and further away from ever receiving Christ as personal Lord and Savior. 
But here's what, to, uh, what, what the Bible says, is that we can do so without a word. See, she does so by proving her subjection to Christ by living a chaste life, which is a pure, clean, and holy life that is free from all defilement. This not only works in the vein of the wife living faithfully before an unbelieving husband, but we've seen this take place where, an un, where a believing husband could live faithfully before an unbelieving wife and without a word win her to faith in Jesus Christ. If you've ever read much of Tony Evans' stuff in his book Kingdom Man, he talks about his daddy. His daddy was a sanitation worker in the city of Baltimore, Maryland during difficult days. He, he never was wealthy by no means and had a very difficult job, but he also had a large family, but he had an unbelieving wife. Well, at first he was an unbeliever too. He comes to faith in Jesus, and ladies and gentlemen, when a man comes to faith in Jesus and realizes that his chains are gone, he's been set free, and he gets clean from the inside out, he becomes a brand new creature in Christ. Amen? He don't walk the same. He don't talk the same. He don't eat rutabagas no more. He don't eat Brussels sprouts. Amen? <laughs> he might eat Brussels sprouts, but he's going to have a miserable life between here and heaven. But anyhow, nevertheless, he, he becomes a new creature. And in doing so, he begins to walk a new way, talk a new way. He begins to live. A, he has a whole different set of values because now his value system is shaped by the Word of God. He has a biblical worldview. He sees the world through the lens of Scripture. And, buddy, that house is going to change. I had this lady once. She come to week, week after week, preacher, pray for my husband. I want him to get saved. Pray for my husband. I want him to get saved. And you know what? When he got saved, he got it, brother. She'd come back a few weeks later and said, I wanted him to get saved, but not that much. She said, he won't let us eat the chips at the Mexican restaurant till we pray over men. I tell you, he's, he wants to pray over meals and all this kind of stuff. I said, ma'am, look here. That's what you said you wanted. God gave you what you wanted. Get out of the way. Tony Evans' dad began to be a follower of Jesus, and when he did, his, his wife, Tony's mom, she wasn't a follower of Jesus, and she didn't really like this new man that moved into her house. She began to rebel against what he was doing, and no matter how nice his daddy was, the nicer his daddy was, the meaner his mama got. And she got meaner and meaner and meaner, and he kept being nicer and nicer and nicer. And finally one day she broke, and she said, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know what to say. But I have decided that whatever or whoever you got is what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, without a word, he just kept serving. He just kept walking. He just kept talking. He just kept praying. He just kept believing until finally, thanks be to the grace of Almighty God, it wasn't his daddy. It wasn't anybody else that broke her. It was the power of the Word of God being fleshed out in front of her and broke her heart. The Spirit of God brought her to the realization of her sin, and that family became a unit. Daddy led mama and then the children and you can only imagine the worldwide ministry that has been impacted because one Baltimore, Maryland sanitation worker sold his life out to Jesus. What might come from your generation? 
What might God do with your children? What might God do with your grandchildren if you would just get serious about walking with God? Wow. The wife is her husband's, and her husband's alone. Solomon said, I am my beloved. My beloved is mine. She belongs to her husband, not anybody else's. Amen? Uh, she, she trusts in him. She's faithful to him. Regardless of what you see displayed on TV or TikTok. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that I still believe that old-fashioned being faithful till death do us part is what the Word of God teaches the man and the woman in the marriage relationship. Infidelity today, ladies and gentlemen, it destroys trust. It destroys between, trust between couples. It destroys a believer's testimony. And that's why I believe God designed the family to be a husband and a wife who were totally dedicated to one another. Now, I'd like to tell you, I was thinking this morning about uh, girls was asking me the other day as they prepared to get married. I think Brooke was asking me about, you know, when did you know that mama was just the one for you? I said, well, honey, I'd like to tell you the first time I laid eyes on your mama that I just looked and said, what a beautiful heart she has. No, but I wasn't looking at her heart. And wasn't none of you bubbas in here looking at your sweetheart's heart either to begin with. That's the first thing I looked at and said, boy, she sure is pretty. She's new. <laughs> Amen. Must be God, right? No, but over time, you begin to see their heart. They begin to see your heart. And your heart trusts in them. And their heart trusts in you. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all of my heart today that what we must get back to is believing and leading by faith and example before our children and grandchildren that mama loves daddy, daddy loves mama, and that's what matters to them. I want you to notice another thing, women, not just her responsibility, but I want you to notice about her respect for her husband. The subject, verses 3 and 4, begins to talk about dress and adornment. The subject of Christian dress has always been a subject of debate, but I want you to know I believe the Word of God's clear. I remember when I was a young preacher, I used to hear preachers preach about what I called the clothesline. You had to wear a certain kind of clothes and carry a certain kind of Bible, and you had to say, hey, man, with about seven syllables. I mean, you know, all this kind of stuff to be spiritual, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I knew this old boy one time I preached a revival for him in Georgia, and he said, hey, I need to ask something. He said, you've worn, you've worn colored shirts to my pulpit. Said, yeah, I did. He said, I can't do that here. He, I said, why? He said, the deacons tell me if I wear anything other than a white shirt, I can't even approach the pulpit. What would you do, Brent? You don't want to ask me that, sir. <laughs> this was back when they still had Sears and Roebuck. I said, I'd go down there to Sears and Roebuck, and I'd get me the polka dottest, loudest, strappedest shirt I could find, and I'd wear it with every sport coat I had, whether it matched or not. Because I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's legalism in the first degree, and it chokes the life out of you. It's the natural-born church killer. <laughs> 
and there's no place for it. I'm not a clothesline preacher. Not at all. I'm grateful to God because the the house of God is not a place where everybody comes. It's already got it all figured out and perfect. It ought to be a place where people can come hear about Jesus and meet people that love them, love him. I never forget I heard a story one time about this guy back years ago, back in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, in the hippie movement. When I was a little guy, you know what my, all of my dreams were? Is that one day I'd get me up enough money to buy me a Volkswagen bus. <laughs> you know, I want one of them. I thought, man, that's when you have reached the pinnacle. You get you a Volkswagen bus. But this hippie guy came into a church, very established, very, you know, upstanding Baptist church. And he came in and he wasn't dressed like everybody else. He didn't comb his hair like everybody else. He didn't look like everybody else. He came walking down the front, Jonah. And there weren't any seats in that church. So there weren't any seats, you know, being from the hippie movement. He just said, he made him a seat. He just plopped down in the floor right here in front of the front pew. People began to look around, and they were looking for, you know, the head deacon. Head deacon going to straighten him out, buddy. They noticed the head deacon rose from the back pew because that's where all spiritual people sit, right? Okay, good. It's all right. Don't matter to me where. I'm just glad you're here. He came walking down front. He tapped along, and they said, "Oh boy, then to get that boy, gonna teach him some manners." You know what he did, John? Came around in front of him. He looked at him. He walked around beside him, and he plopped down in the floor right beside him. I like that. You know what? They was expecting him to get straight. When you know what the head deacon did, if there is such a thing, uh, he taught them the right attitude to have. Because you know what he was saying? There aren't any seats left, and you know what? I'm going to come sit with you because I'm no better than you. James chapter two tells us about that, doesn't it? That we'd be right and we wouldn't look down on other people. So I've never got into that. So here's what we know from the scripture today. He talks about not bringing attention so much to ourselves and ladies and gentlemen I want you to understand something girls hear me don't ever be ashamed of being modest I I tell my girls a lot and I know fashions have changed and I've learned a lot about raising girls it's the second hardest job a man will ever have raising girls is the second hardest the hardest job a man will ever have is raising his daddy amen but that yeah that's my hardest job right now (laughs) Raising his daddy is harder than raising his daughters. <laughs> when he talks about adorning, he's not just talking about outward clothing, but he refers to actions that, uh, that try to draw attention. Ladies and gentlemen, it is about modesty. You don't have to have the most expensive. You don't have to have the hippest style. And the Christian wife shows respect to her husband by living humbly and being modest. But I want you to know something, ladies. You're going to be blessed by this. The scripture in no way condemns the use of cosmetics and jewelry. I'm all for them, aren't you? I am. But it does exhort Christians not to allow worldly fashions to dictate who we are as God's children. Ephesians chapter 1. If you ever get to wondering who you are or what you mean or who you are in Christ, read Ephesians chapter 1 and it will remind you that your identity is not in anything other than your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But notice verse 4, the Christian wife also respects her husband by exhibiting what we know to be a meek and quiet spirit. I've always been so thankful for my wife and the pastor's wife because there's been so many times she's wanted to defend me when people be ugly and do all sorts of things. And so many times that she's held my hand and held my head when I've cried over things. And I've always been faithful. She's never, never brought any shame, never been a bad testimony, and that's so important to me. See, what makes a woman beautiful is what's in her heart. A woman can be outwardly attractive but inwardly have a bad attitude and a mean spirit. Y'all ever met any of them? Yeah, sure you have. When he talks about being meek, he's talking about gentle, tender, disciplined, under control. A quiet spirit is a spirit that is at peace with God in itself and it builds peace with a husband. If you want to be at peace with your spouse, you must first be at peace with God. It's not only seen in those inside our house, but it's also seen in those outside our house. I told my wife a while back, and we, we always believe that who we are here on Sunday is one thing, but we better be the same person tomorrow. Y'all with me? And um, Carly, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, I hugged my wife that afternoon. I said, uh, honey, I said, uh, God used you to be a blessing and a light to Carly. Now, now, did God use her parents and grandparents and friends? Absolutely. I said, but she knew you're the pastor's wife. And if you behaved in ungodly ways in the public setting, young people pick up on that, and they do not follow lack of authenticity. I said, that means a lot. And I heard her. She said, I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't say anything. I said, it's not always about what you say. It's how you behave. It means so much. I want to encourage you today as you look at those around you that you have influence over, that you remember how you behave in front of them, the words you say. And young people, listen to me and hear me clearly. I know out there in young people land and even in big people land, it's all cute to say curse words and vulgar words and things like that. But I want you to hear me. It is a detriment to your testimony. People watch you. Also notice with me, if you would, verse 5 and 6, the wife's attitude toward her husband. Here's what Sarah did. I like Sarah. She's a spiritual mother of every Christian woman on the planet today. So Peter uses her as an example of a woman who trusted God. Uh, look in verses 5 and 6. You can see these things, and we'll just walk through them. He talks about how holy women of God always subjected themselves to their own husbands. I remind you that. Don't subject yourself to nobody else's husband. Don't think he's all cute and cool and all that. I promise you he's got warts and problems and issues. Just I mean, and guys, listen to me. That old girl that makes you feel all special and you think she's better than your wife, you hear me and hear me clearly. The only reason she thinks you're so awesome, she's never lived with you. She lived with you and stepped over your nasty socks and picked up your cracker wrappers and your tater chip bags and your Jack's cups and all that kind of stuff. She'd be tore up too, right? <laughs> Peter talked about how holy women of God, they really focused on inward beauty. They really focused on looking beautiful before God from the inside out. I was laughing at Mike Speck years ago one of his records he put out, he talked about how we ought to focus more on the inward than the outward. 
He said, ladies, he said, I want you to listen to me. Men, hear me. He said, it's been proven that if you melt your body down to nothing, that chemically all of us are worth a dollar and 92 cents. <laughs> chemically, you're worth a dollar and 92 cents melted down. He said, so ladies, that means some of y'all go out here and get a $75 hairdo for a 50-cent head. <laughs> I said that years ago. Yeah, they met me at the back door. Like, oh, that's fine. That's all right. I'm just cutting up with you. If that hurts, I'm just kidding. But you really do. 50 cents about all your head's worth. <laughs> just remember this, ladies, as a Christian wife, you may be the very person that God wants to use to not just win your husband but many others to faith in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Then i got to get to verse 7 because I don't want to leave this out, guys, and I don't want to rush through it, but I'm going to have to. Notice the husband's relationship with his wife, if you would. Christian husband is to live with his wife and no other woman. The Bible gives us three parts in verse 7 to emphasize this point. The first thing he tells us in there is that he's to dwell with her. The Greek word dwell means to live with and remain with. It means to be at home. When a man dwells with his wife, he is certainly not always pursuing his own interests and hobbies and attractions. He focuses his heart on being one who supports her and loves her through her most difficult times. Uh, the Christian husband is supportive of his wife. He's very close to her. And guys, I want you to hear me. If you're going to be close to her, you're going to have to listen to her. Sometimes I've learned this much about ladies, and ladies, y'all, I think y'all will agree, and if you don't, I may have missed it, but most of the time a lady, or especially a wife, when she has difficulty and she talks to her husband, she really doesn't want him to fix it. She just wants him to listen to her. It's kind of like when we lived in Georgia and my, uh, you know, my, her, my wife's mama would call her. Daddy would call. They'd talk and they'd talk and they'd talk and they'd get details upon details. This was when it was still about 20 cents a minute. Y'all remember those days? And then I'd hear from my, from my dad. He'd say, hey, well, we'd talk about two minutes and we'd, we'd be done. And, and um, I'd ask her, uh, she'd say, uh, she'd say, well, What'd your dad have to say? I said, well, he said everything's all right. <laughs> Was that all he had to say? Yes, buddy. And I asked her, and I quit doing this. <laughs> What'd your mama have to say? <laughs> I mean, just pull up a chair. And, you know, as men, here's what we are. We're fixers. We said, let's just fix it. Let's just make it better when really all they need is someone to listen to them. Uh, most of the time, and I've dealt with a lot of folks over the years with marriage issues, and they can be very complex, but many times I hear people say this, we're just not close anymore. And if you want to be close, you've got to communicate. And if you want to keep your heart for the one that you're, you're beloved, then throw your heart into your beloved. I believe that with all of my heart. We are teammates, team members. We're one body. We dwell together. And you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I like to hunt. I like to fish. Can I have my personal time? Absolutely, sir. You need to do that. My wife sometimes encourages me to get away from her for a little while, right? 
She knows, you know, I've took up a lot of walking in the past year, and sometimes she can tell when I'm a little stressed out, she'll come through the house, ain't it about time for you to go do a little walking, you know? And, yeah, it is, and, and I do. You need that. But I would be sure to make sure that you don't allow those things to take the brunt of your attention, that you give the brunt of your attention to your wife and to your children. I want to tell you, it's one of the greatest challenges I've had as a pastor because I love people. I really do. I love to help people. I love to minister to people. And if you're going to be a pastor and you don't like people, you might ought to do something else because it's all about people. But I've always struggled with the preacher. You should have been here. You should have been there. Where were you then? Where were you there? And I realized a lot of that was is that I had to make certain that I had a real strong commitment to my wife and children because if, you know, if I lose them, y'all won't want me anyhow. And the thing is is that I made sure that I would not sacrifice my wife and children to please other people nor for, the, the, uh, for ministry success. I know a lot of pastors who lost their family because they pursued ministry success so hard that they bypassed their family. I know some guys who have so many hobbies they don't spend time with their family. And you cannot discount that. It is so very important that they know you're there for them. He's not just to dwell with her, but he's to protect her. Why? Because the Bible says she's the weaker vessel. And listen, ladies, that's not a slam on you. Not at all. Not degrading to you. It only emphasizes this, that God has a plan for the family. And because God has a plan for the family, your husband is to be your protector. I'll tell you one of the greatest forms of protection I have. You say, well, what is it, Smith and Wesson? or no, no. We got those too. I believe in the Second Amendment. I do. And we got guns, and we don't want to use them, but, you know, I hope we don't ever have to. But I will protect my family. But here's the thing. The greatest form of protection I can have for my family, you can have for yours, is that I would place them on the altar before God and ask God to go before me and do the protecting. Amen? And listen, don't ever apologize for putting your babies on the altar, sir. Don't ever apologize for putting your wife on the altar, sir. Don't ever do that. Why? Because if we've ever had a time in this nation, I'm telling you, there are some major challenges coming down the pike for the family and attacks against the family. And don't ever apologize for putting your family on that altar saying, Oh, God, only you can take care of us and provide and protect us. And then finally, I want you to notice he's the honor. Honor means to value or count as precious. I told you she's the weaker vessel, and by nature, it doesn't mean she's less strong or whatever. My wife is sometimes far stronger spiritually than me, but it just means that they are more delicate. Amen? Does anybody agree with that? They're just more delicate. They are. I mean, you get two little old boys. Stephen, we grew up in the same neighborhood. We played ball and kicked and scratched and punched each other and wrestled and fought and everything else and we'd be so mad at each other we couldn't see straight in five minutes we was good I mean we was going on we was going we was fine we was riding bicycle to the Dairy Queen buying an ice cream cone boys fine now girls I'm telling you the girls that we grew up in our neighborhood some of them are still mad at each other <laughs> it's different you pulled my hair on the trampoline when I was eight, and I'm still man. Now, boys don't do that, okay? It's just different. They're more delicate. They have longer memories of stuff, right? It means as a husband, you're to take the lead. Don't ever be ashamed of taking the lead. It means you're to be the driving force in leading your family to Jesus. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He went to Calvary 
He's honored the weaker vessel. He's also to honor her as a joint heir of the grace of life. It's not to dominate or enslave her. I hear guys say this all the time. Yeah, me and the old lady went down to Waffle House the other day. Old lady. Well, how old are you? I'm 50. How old is she? Oh, she's 32. <laughs> old lady. I, I, I tell you guys, that's a sad way to think. Now, chronologically, my wife got 13 days on me, but I wouldn't say that for nothing on the sun. I don't know how long it'd take my eyes to unsway, all right? <laughs> but listen here, too. Here's the most important thing, guys, and I want you to dial in with me here for a few minutes. Yeah. Failure for a man to honor his wife. Here's the most scary part that Peter says about it. It hinders the prayers of the husband. Did you see that? He said that his prayers be not hindered. Wow. The Bible teaches us there that God does not hear and answer the prayers of a man who dishonors his wife. God will only hear the broken and contrite heart that we read about in Psalm 51, not the prayers of an arrogant spirit. See, both husbands and wives are to love one another and live as God's word commands if they desire to have their prayers heard and answered in heaven. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59 2 says but your iniquities are separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear friend I believe today the reason some men struggle getting through to God is that they've never got right with their spouse maybe that's even true in this room today you know I don't know but God does and you do but sir I want you to hear me I nor you can afford to have our arrogance and our pride to stand between us in having our prayers answered you know I learned something else about the marriage relationship years ago I learned that same deal that boys can kind of get over it fast but girls don't and you know, I, when I was younger, I would, as soon as there'd rise a little problem, I'd want to kind of fix it and move on. <laughs> but it takes a little time, right? But I learned that I'm willing to wait the time, and I'm willing to lower my stinking foolish pride because I can't afford for my prayers to be hindered. I wonder on a church level, how our prayers are hindered men when our pride gets in the way of being right with our spouse being right with our brothers and sisters that those things would hinder us from being heard in heaven do you think maybe at the judgment seat of Christ that some of the tears that will be shed will be shed over the fact that the Lord may show us what his plan was for us and how far we missed it because we allowed foolish pride and arrogance to get between us in humbly walking with him. I don't know about you, but I think that's very possible. But I know today this much. We all have responsibilities if our relationship is going to be faithful and fruitful.
And ladies, I want you to know today that God loves you. I want you to know, sir, sir, husband, listen to me. God loves you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, and I send this to my wife sometimes on text, Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? And I underline good thing, don't y'all? Highlight it. Put some asterisks by it, right? Because I don't ever want to forget the good gift God brought into my life that has forever changed who I am. And I don't ever want my prayers to be hindered because I'm too prideful to be right with her and to be right with him. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for your word today. Lord, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to remind us over and over that it's not about us and it's all about you. I want to thank you for how your word teaches us about relationships. And Father, the danger of pride getting in the way. And Father, not only that, but the blessing that comes when we're right with each other and we're right with you. Father, I pray for every husband in this room today and I pray for every man that desires to be a husband in this room today God that whether they already have a relationship or one's on the way that you would begin to prepare their heart God that they would focus on not just finding the right person but allowing you to conform them into being the right person and Father, give them a spirit of humility. Uh, for those that are already husbands here today, uh, a spirit of protection and providing and, and just an undying, hot-hearted love for their beloved. And God, I pray for the wives here today. Father, I pray for those who seek to be a wife someday. Father, for those that are seeking, just like for the men, that they wouldn't focus on just finding the right, perfect guy. But God, that they would submit themselves to you and say, Lord, fix me. Knock off the rough spots, rough edges. Conform my heart to be like yours so that when you bring that perfect man into my life, I won't just recognize it, realize it. I will be prepared, restored to be that person you want me to be those sisters that do have husbands may they love him may they respect him and may they not be afraid to let it show may they not speak to each other in hateful ways and hurtful ways may they not degrade their spouse in front of their co-workers and friends to try to look cute Father may they be unashamed to say God gave me that manner the wife may, or the husband may say, God gave me that woman. And she's precious. That she might say, He's something special. And we're going to fulfill our responsibilities before God to Him and to one another. That He might be glorified. 
that our children might have a good example and that our prayers would not be hindered. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and here's the invitation today. This invitation, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you on this very first word, the very first verse, to just step in the nearest aisle. I'll be right here to receive you. I want to help you because I don't want you to die without Jesus. I don't want you to spend eternity in hell. Jesus did too much for you on the cross for that to be true. I say to you today, if you are a Christian, say I just maybe I've lost some of my closeness with Jesus maybe that closeness is lack of closeness is transferred into my family or maybe you just want to come find a place and pray today Uh, maybe your spouse would come with you and pray together and call on God so that your prayers be not hindered maybe you're a child of God today and you'd like to make Heflin Baptist Church your home serve the Lord. Maybe God's leading you to do so. We invite you to come on this very next verse. But most of all, just honor Jesus today. Don't be ashamed of making your decision public. Father, I pray your will be done. The lives will be changed. The Son of God will be glorified through every decision made here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand our feet all across the house. Marty's going to lead us, and as he leads us, you come even now. Let's make us our prayer, too. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say. More than words can say.
Let's be seated just for a second. We'll be dismissed here right quickly. Just reminding you the week coming up, Mother's Day, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. <clears throat> the only reason I let Dustin come to church today is he's cooking lunch. But anyhow, he, 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 he thinks he's the grill master. I don't know. But anyhow, so he's cooking lunch. So we're going to let him stay around for lunch, and then he's got to go. Uh, but anyhow, but we got <laughs> But uh, anyhow, we get coming up on all this stuff. But nevertheless, we're excited about the day ahead for Mother's Day. And encourage you, if your mama's still here, make sure she knows you love her. And uh, if not, um, I just want you to know that I'm praying special grace for you today. And I know that the Bible tells us that the Lord gives us grace on top of grace. Aren't you grateful for that? Sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Grace on top of grace. So don't forget that. Wednesday night. Six o'clock uh, for everybody, children, students, and adults. Whoa, amen. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so remember that when you're a preacher, you just somebody comes from behind like that. You just don't ever know. <laughs> I, I got years ago where I go in restaurants, I couldn't sit with my back to the door because I never knew what was coming. But anyhow, it's getting that way around here. Man, I'm just kidding. Uh, nevertheless, um, do remember the week ahead, Wednesday. Uh, next Sunday, uh, praying much for that's coming. Graduation is tomorrow night for high school. Pray the rain away so they don't have to move inside. I know that'll decrease the number of people they're allowed to have. So we're praying for our seniors and all the people involved with graduation. Ramburn High is on Tuesday night. And uh, my daughter here, where's Kate? I done lost her. She's got to go back to art tonight for her school, Ramburn High School, where she's been teaching two years. And she is going, she's a golden apple award recipient tonight. Man, I'm so proud of you, Kate. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She, gra she graduated Friday night with a master's degree from Jacksonville State University, and we're very proud of her. We, you don't believe us if you've been to graduation Jacksonville State, you better carry you a, a lunchbox, I'm telling you. I mean, and, uh, but anyhow, so I get to do that again next year when we give our nursing student two more semesters, Brooke. Hang in there, baby. All right. Uh, so we got that, and we're excited. God, we're very, very grateful for our children. They're, they're just like yours. They're not perfect. They're just like we were when we were not perfect. But boy, ain't they a gift. Amen. They a gift. And Brooks told me that she's going to keep on being the gift that keeps on giving. But anyhow, or, or, or taking. Is that it? Taking? No. I thought we were out of the nest, but I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. But nevertheless, I appreciate your prayers in the week ahead. Uh, do pray for those things. Offering buckets are both doors on the way out. Next week, we'll probably start passing the plate again. Uh, we just hadn't got back to that yet. We found out a lot more about the transmission of passing. It's not what we thought it was a year ago. So anyhow, uh, we'll be doing that soon. But we still got the buckets at both doors. If you didn't get your New Testament last week for your, your personal uh, guide to sharing your faith, get those. Ladies, we have the carnations for you at both doors. Whichever exit you go out, you'll get one of those. And don't forget today, I always want to remind you that God loves you. I want you to remind you that I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Marty's going to sing us out. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day.